Moses gets ready to turn the page on the patriarchs. He gives us another valuable lesson from Jacob's twin brother, from Esau. Last week we talked about the problem of pain. Specifically, the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And I believe in Scripture we can find ways to, to reconcile that, and we've learned that, that through perseverance, that's the word Rhonda shared with us earlier, through perseverance, through suffering, God begins to mold us and make us more like Christ. And, and I think we can, we can in some ways wrap our minds around that. But what is really problematic for, for some is the, the, the flip side of the equation. Why do good things seem to happen to bad people? That really doesn't make sense to us because we believe that if you love God, good things should happen to you. And if you, if you don't love God, then, then bad things should happen to you. But we don't see that all the time, do we? We have famous entertainers and athletes who, who win awards and they get on these shows and, and some of them use their platform to testify. Some of them use a platform to speak about Christ or, or express their, their appreciation to God, while others use that platform to spew anti-Christian rhetoric. And that's bothersome. At least it is to me here as a person who is gifted, a person who is wealthy, a person who is popular, and yet they don't even believe in God. Instead, they, they choose to slander the name of Jesus. And that seems not to make any sense to us. But in reality, prosperity or its absence can be very spiritually dangerous. For example, just because you are doing well materially in this world does not necessarily mean you're in God's favor relationally. And just because you may be struggling financially does not mean that God does not love you. And so we need to, to quit thinking in terms of, of earthly blessings equating to, to heavenly, spiritual blessings. Those two things don't always coincide. Sometimes they do, but not always. And what better person do we learn that lesson from than Esau, Jacob's godless twin brother. And the lesson we learn is that we should always maintain a Christ-centered view of life. Don't trust your emotions don't trust material things and wealth and prosperity. Don't trust those things, but have a Christ-centered view of reality. And as God's people, that is essential because a covenant relationship with God is the most important thing you and I will ever have. A covenant relationship with God Almighty. Let me invite you to stand if you're able right now as we read God's holy word. I'll be reading from Genesis 36, starting at verse 1. And Moses writes the following words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now these are the records of the generations of Esau, that is, Edom. Esau took his wives from the daughters of Canaan. Ada, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Oholabama, the daughter of Anah, and the granddaughter of Zibion, the Hivite. And Basimath, Ishmael's daughter, the sister of Neboeth. Ada bore Eliphaz to Esau, and Basimath bore Ruel, and Oholabama bore Jehush, and Jalam, and Korah. These are the sons of Esau, who were born to him in the land of Canaan. Then Esau took his wives, and his sons, and his daughters, and all his household, and his livestock, and all his cattle, and all his goods which he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to another land away from his brother Jacob. For their property had become too great for them to live together. 
And the land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. So Esau lived in the hill country of Seir. Esau is Edom. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name today. We thank you so much, Lord, for our time together already. And we look forward with expectation, God, to the preaching of your word. We thank you that you are a God who has spoken. You are a God who has revealed yourself to us, even though we are lost sinners. You graciously have revealed to us who you are, and you graciously have revealed to us the way to a relationship with you, and that is through your sacrifice of your Son, Christ Jesus in our place we thank you so much for this love we thank you for your word and just pray God as the word is preached today as it is proclaimed it will not fall on deaf ears but God we will be able to hear and understand your word and we will receive it in our hearts that we may live it out God we just pray that your spirit moves in a mighty way as we've gathered this morning we pray this in Jesus name amen thank you you may be seated 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and useful. Last Sunday night we looked at Romans 8, and surely that is a very useful passage of Scripture. But then on the flip side, we come to this passage today, and we think, what in the world is going on here? Why is this of any value? How is this useful to us? But as we have said, Moses is turning the page in his, in his scripture, in his writing here, of moving from the patriarchs onto their children, to the 12 tribes of Israel. But before he gets there, he has one more valuable lesson, one more string to tie up for us. And that is the life and the legacy of Esau, Jacob's twin. And what we've seen already in our scripture, first of all, Esau received a posterity a posterity. He had numerous children and grandchildren to carry on his name for him. Verse 1 says, These are the generations of Esau. It is a formula that we see over and over again in the book of Genesis. Whenever, whenever Moses is shifting gears from, from one important individual to another, he mentions these are their generations. And he does so with Esau. So obviously, from a biblical standpoint, Esau is an important character doesn't have the space devoted to him as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph and his brothers, but he receives an entire chapter. So obviously it is there for a reason. And what we see in this is he has all of these children, and he becomes a mighty nation. His descendants become the nation Edom, the nation of Edom. We read in the Scripture here he had three wives, which we've already talked about before is contrary to the will of God. We should already expect that there are troublesome things that are going to occur when you get outside the will of God. And he has three wives. Not only is there three wives, they are three pagan wives. One Canaanite, one called a Horite, one of an Ishmaelite. And when we read about his wives earlier in Genesis, we see different names. And probably what has happened is in the earlier chapters, we see their Hebrew names as, as, as Esau was living with his parents. But then as he moves out on his own, we see the women revert back to their native names. And these women, we are told in Genesis, were a great source of grief to Esau's parents. Why? Because these women were outside of the covenant lineage of God's chosen people. They did not worship God. They worshipped false gods. And instead of Esau bringing them into a covenant relationship with God, Esau was corrupted by their influence. What so hap what, what's often happens, this concept of missionary dating, well, I'm going to date this individual to win them to Jesus, seldom does that work that way. Typically, it's the other way around. 
the influence is more negative. But nevertheless, he received a posterity. He has all these children, and he has these wives. And one of the wives, we are told, is the daughter of Ani. And, and we read in this chapter, he's a significant man amongst the people called the Horites who lived in the land of Seir. Look at verse 24 and 25. These are the sons of Zibion, Ai, and Anah. He is the Anah who found the hot springs in the wilderness when he was pasturing the donkeys of his father Zibion. He found a natural hot tub. This was a man who received notoriety amongst his people. And these are the children of Anah, Dishon and Oholabama, the daughter of Anah. So Esau marries into this family, this pagan family, this pagan family that has has connections in the land of Seir. And that will be important for us here in just a moment. But we are told of of Esau's sons in verse 5 that his sons were born to him in the land of Canaan. Interestingly enough, all of his sons were born in Canaan. All of Jacob's sons except one were born outside the promised land. But here in a minute we see the family switch. They switch. And he has all these children and all of these sons and these daughters according to verse 6. And, and what he has is an opportunity to impact the world. When you have that kind of influence over children, over grandchildren, sons and daughters, nephews and nieces, you have a, a, have a prime opportunity to impact not only their lives, but the world. We don't want to squander that opportunity. We have a parental privilege and a responsibility So I ask you this morning, what kind of example are you setting for your posterity, for the the next generation? What kind of of example are you setting for them in in terms of your relationship with God? And I challenge you, don't squander your opportunity. Although Esau was blessed with the posterity, he did not use that influence to glorify God. Second thing we see about Esau in our passage, he received prosperity. He obtained immense fortune. And this was despite the fact that that he had despised his birthright and sold his birthright as the older twin to his younger brother for a bowl of soup. He he, he thought of his birthright, his inheritance, so little. Not only the, the material aspect of it, but more important, the spiritual aspect of it. It meant nothing to him. This covenant relationship with God meant nothing to him. And nevertheless, this man was blessed financially. He had prosperity. We read about this in verses 6 and 7. It talks about his sons, his daughters, his household, his livestock, his cattle, his goods he had acquired in the land of Canaan. We read that that their property, Jacob and Esau, the brothers, had become too great for them to live together. The land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. These brothers were wealthy, including Esau much prosperity the land could not contain them the old saying this town's not big enough for the both of us that was literally true in the case of these twin brothers and so there was a decision to make and Esau makes the decision to leave the promised land he was blessed with an abundance of possessions in reality I think Esau would have his own TV show today if we were alive in America, because here is a man who was living the American dream. He had everything he ever wanted. He was born into a family of prominence, and even though he had sold his birthright, he had worked his fingers to the bone. He was a a manly man. He was a man of the field. We read he was a hunter. He was a rugged man. 
He was a ladies' man. He had everything that this world tells you as a man you need to be successful. Esau had it. From the world's perspective, posterity, prosperity, he was living in luxury. He had it all going for him. Thirdly, he received property. Property. We talked about the fact the land could not sustain the two brothers, so a decision had to be made. One of us had to go, and Esau was quick to leave. You know, Jacob had been struggling for so many years to get back to Canaan, and Esau was there living in it the whole time. And then as soon as Jacob returns, Esau says, you know, I'm out. I'm out. We read in verse 6 that he went away to another land. Even though he had acquired all these things in Canaan, even though God had blessed him in the promised land, he left. He had no spiritual connection. There was nothing tying him to that territory. Instead, what he saw was an open door. He saw an opportunity in another land. Remember his connection with the land of Seir through his wife. His wife's family ties to a foreign land and he was willing to drift. He was willing to leave it all behind for the purpose of immediate gratification. There was an opportunity. Opportunity was knocking. These, these opportunities don't come up every day. Even though I'm wealthy now, I can go elsewhere and I can acquire more wealth. Why do I want to stay here? I'll let, J- I'll let Jacob have this little piece of property. I'll go elsewhere and I'll establish me a kingdom. I'll really make a name for myself. In fact, I'll name my kingdom after me. Edom was his nickname, meant red. So he moves, he leaves Canaan, and he locates himself in Seir, and it was a place of importance in that day and age. It was located right in the middle of the east-west trade route, known as the King's Highway. And that was important because as people traveled on that highway, they passed through your property, you could, you could exercise a, a toll on them. You can tax people passing through. You can make a great deal of money. It was a very lucrative financial position to live in Seir and to have that property. It was also prime real estate because it was located high up in the mountains. And there was a fortress named Petra, which means rock, that was built there. And and the fortress of Petra was viewed in that day as being impregnable. Nobody could conquer the fortress of Petra. So he had an opportunity to set himself up financially, also was able to, to set himself up with a lifestyle of security. Not only could he attain all this wealth, he could keep it. Not worry about anybody taking it from him. You know, the, the old saying is the grass is always greener where? On the other side of the fence. There's also another saying that says the grass may be greener on the other side of the fence because it's been fertilized. Things aren't always as they appear opportunities that, that, that seem to be too good to be true oftentimes are. And while he might have amassed for himself this prosperity, and might have amassed for himself this, this new property, it does not mean that God's favor was on him, that he had a, a right relationship with his, with his maker. We sometimes confuse that. It's fool's gold. It's the title of our sermon. Just because you attain to something here in this earth does not necessarily mean it's valuable in the life that is to come. Esau received these things. He received them from God. 
posterity and prosperity and property. And fourthly, Esau received power. He quickly con- he seized control over this new territory. The opportunity was there through that, that family he married into, and he seized that opportunity, and he took control over this land. We read in verse 20 through 39, Esau's predecessors that lived in that territory before he arrived. We read in verse 31 this. It says, These are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. Esau could boast, Yeah, brother, you may have the blessing and the inheritance of our father spiritually, but look at me. I'm a king. Look at you. You're a pilgrim. You're a sojourner. You own nothing. You say that land's been promised to you. You you don't own any of it. But look at me. I have my territory. I have my property. And I have power. How did Esau come to have power and reign over that land? How did his descendants end up becoming chiefs as we read in verse 43? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 22 says that the Lord destroyed the Horites and he dispossessed them for Esau wait a minute now here's this man who turned his back on God sold his birthright despised his birthright left the promised land and God's going to allow this man to attain all of this power why is God setting him up so high meanwhile Jacob the son of the promise sojourning living in tents from place to place It doesn't make sense to us. Sibling rivalry. Both of these twins were blessed, but Esau seems to be more so. He settles in this property, this territory, and he sets up his kingdom. His kingdom. So we're thinking, wow, man, Esau's got it all. He's got everything. He's got more than Jacob has. I would rather be Esau than Jacob. If you ask people around our culture today and you laid out this story for, uh, of these two brothers, I would rather be Esau than Jacob because Esau has power. He has respect. He has more than Jacob has. The problem is, as the story unfolds, we've already seen leading up to this and what comes afterwards, Esau rejected the promise. He rejected the promise, the promise of God that was delivered to Abraham and then to his father Isaac. The promise that God would be his God and he would be his people and and through his descendants all the nations would be blessed. Esau rejected that. That meant nothing to him. The only thing he wanted was money, power, respect, women. He wanted everything this world had to offer and he wanted immediate, instant gratification. Fool's gold. Because it would not last. He despised his birthright and he sold it. We read that in Genesis chapter 25, verse 34. And because of his decision to turn his back on God, God turned his back on him spiritually. Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 tell us that in comparison of the two brothers, God loved Jacob and he hated Esau. Like, Whoa, man, I didn't think God hated anybody. But we read in Scripture, because of God's covenant love for Jacob... In comparison, God loved Jacob so much spiritually because Jacob was in the covenant relationship with him. Esau was not. In comparison of the two, you could say one was loved and the other was hated. 
It's not to say God didn't love Esau in a way that God, obviously he, he loved him enough, he provided for him all these things. God blessed him with prosperity and abundance. God, God allowed him to have all these things and accumulate all this wealth and all these worldly goods. God loved him enough to do that. We call that common grace. What that means is every single one of us have sinned against God. Every single one of us deserve God's punishment. Every single one of us deserve God's judgment. But the fact that you and I are alive right now on this earth and we are not in hell right now means that we are underneath God's umbrella of common grace because we all deserve punishment. But none of us are being punished spiritually for eternity right now. It's common grace. And any good thing you have that this world has to offer that God allows you to have, that's by His common grace. So God loved Esau as much as he loves anybody that lives in this world. However, his covenant love for his people that have their faith and their trust in him, his covenant love for them is far greater. It far exceeds. Because we become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, that both of the brothers were blessed by their father. We read, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. You remember the blessing that, God gave, uh, that, that Isaac gave the two. Jacob received a spiritual blessing, and, and, and Esau did not. It was a very worldly-centered blessing, and God was fulfilling and keeping that promise. Earthly blessings. However, we also read this about Esau in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Verse 15 through 17. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why? For he found no place for repentance. And though he sought it, though he sought for the blessing with tears, he could not receive the blessing. Why? He refused to repent of his earthly sins. He refused to acknowledge that God is just and that he had sinned against God. He refused to acknowledge he needed God's promise and that would only come by humbling himself and falling in line in the covenant family with his younger twin, Jacob. He refused. He was too proud. Why would he need anything that Jacob had to offer? He had more than Jacob. It made no earthly sense to submit and surrender to God's plan through Jacob. That promise, why do I need a promise? God, everything I need. Refused to repent. Therefore, a forsaken opportunity. You know, God, he's so good to Esau. He gave him all these things and Esau still rejected him. How in the world can anybody do that? But yet, what about you today? What has God blessed you with? With family, with health, prosperity, living in the United States of America instead of being born in some third world country or some, some communist regime where, where gathering to worship is illegal. You were born here, common grace. And how do you repay God for His grace in your life? You reject the promise. You take the gospel of His Son who died on the cross for your sins and you trample all over it and say, I don't need to repent. I don't need faith. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I've got everything this world has to offer. 
You are Esau. If that is your heart, you are Esau. And while you may have good things right here, right now, fool's gold does not last. It is not eternal. So it's important to always maintain a Christ-centered view of life. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, what, what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and to lose his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? What's most important to you? Success or salvation? What's most important to you? Finances or forgiveness? What's most important to you? Achievement or atonement? The perfect answer to all those questions is found in the words of Psalm 73. And I will close with this. Listen to the psalmist and see if it doesn't resonate with Esau's life. Maybe even resonates with your life. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death. Their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades to the earth. Therefore, as people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them, they say, How does God know? And is their knowledge with most high? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I continually am with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Ladies and gentlemen, never confuse common grace with covenantal grace. Common grace might be for the here and now, but it is not always for eternity. Covenantal grace brings you into glory. 
Covenantal grace through Christ Jesus saves your soul. Covenantal grace brings you into heaven. Covenantal grace brings the promises of God to bear upon your life that only comes by putting your faith and your trust in Christ Jesus, His Son, because Christ alone died to, re, to, to, to pay for your sin, to give you the opportunity to have eternal life through repentance and trusting in Him. Folks, God is, com- he, he is, he is patiently waiting. He is patiently waiting for you. Don't trample His grace underfoot. Receive it today. Receive it today. May not have the earthly blessings you're hoping to attain, but you will have eternal blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is true gold. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we just humble ourselves this morning and just cry out to you, Lord, for mercy and forgiveness and for understanding how we are tempted to look around in our society today and see those who are godless and see them prospering and saying, I wish I was like that. When all along, Lord, you tell us in your word, that doesn't last. And oftentimes that is a hindrance to faith. Father, I pray for prosperity and abundance. I pray you would provide for every need I have and every need my family has. But Lord, I pray that that prosperity never hinders my walk with you. And if it does, then Lord, strip it from me. Whatever you've got to take away from me to give me something greater down the road, Lord, do that, please. I desire you more than anything this earth has to offer. This earth is broken, it's tainted, it's temporal, it will be destroyed. God, why would I put my wealth and my trust in something that will not last? But God, give me a Christ-centered view of life. It only comes when we are born again, regenerated by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that would happen today the power of your written word to the power of your living word Jesus Christ God stir our hearts today if there be any that needs to be saved I pray they would be saved today through faith and repentance if there are any that need to rededicate their lives any that need to join this church through baptism or moving their membership anyone who is being called in the ministry or the mission field Lord I pray as your spirit speaks each and every one of us would humble ourselves and obey follow your leading wherever you lead God wherever you lead as we sojourn as pilgrims through this world that is not our home God wherever you lead I pray we would go ultimately we would go to your throne we would go to glory by trusting in Jesus it's in his name we do pray amen